Hey everybody, you're listening to the Out of Your Head Podcast. I'm Johnny Nelson, and this is episode number 10, and our special guest is Stacy Smith. Stacy is a phenomenal improviser, comedian, world-class teacher, and she currently lives in Amsterdam and performs at the world-famous Boom Chicago. Uh, in this episode, I get to talk to her a little bit about what that's like and what it's like living in Amsterdam and living in Amsterdam during a pandemic. Uh, Stacy is a phenomenal resource for all things improv and spews her knowledge all over this episode. We even talk about little horses, so you know we had a good time. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks so much for listening. Come on, dance, wake up the appetite, dance in the middle of the night. Come on, dance, wake up the appetite, dance in the middle of the night, yeah. Yeah, appetite, hey, middle of the night. Ah. <laughs> Hi, Johnny Sauce. Hi, Stacy Sauce, you're so cute. <laughs> oh my God, I miss you so much. I miss you. Look, look at you in your Michigan vest. Look at your bow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Considering, you know, like it's Con- like considering I everything. Guilty saying when I'm in a good mood because I know everyone's always in a bad mood. <laughs> uh, um are you uh are you in your uh, apartment there? Is that that in the background? Yeah. I'm- I'm in my room. (laughs) (laughs) I teach a lot online from my bedroom because uh, Matt and I live with a roommate who's also a cast member and she's lovely. But if we did it out in the open, then we would constantly be walking back and forth and back and forth. So, Um, Are you, did you, I'm ready to get rolling on the podcast, but I just wanted to make sure that before we started, like there was anything you wanted to like check in about. No, I, I feel like I'll probably regret most of the things I say, Yay! but I'm not afraid to say them. <laughs> um, okay, well, cool. Then we're, I guess we could just say we're, we're rolling. <laughs> rolling. Oh, Stacy. Um, so Stacy is in Amsterdam right now on this call and mm-hmm. she's a performer at Boom Chicago, baby. I can't get rid of Chicago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, how long have you been there now, Stacy? I've been there. I've been here for over a year now. It was a year last week, like oh, okay. literally a year and a week. Wow. Which is insane because most of it's been COVID. So it's been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of gone really slowly and also gone really, really fast. <laughs> huh. Did you, um, did you guys think that you were going to stay at the beginning of COVID? Did you know that you were like, you were in Amsterdam for... I mean, the whole the, the whole, whole thing. thing, we didn't ever know that we would stay longer than three months because when I had uh, when I had agreed to do a contract, I only signed for a three month contract oh, because really? um, I was going to stay as long as I could stay without getting a visa. And you oh. could stay <laughs> yeah. like you could stay as a tourist for three months because Matt came with me. And at the time he was not hired by Boom Chicago. I came um, with him. And so he was just kind of doing stand up and bouncing around so um basically we were gonna stay for three months and then after like the second month matt joined the cast and then we're like all right we'll stay a little longer and then we had signed to july and then in march everything shut down and then as soon as we opened we signed 
We're saying all of next year. <gasps> okay. I mean, there's there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Would you even like, be allowed back if you wanted to come back right now? Yeah, we. Yeah, we, of course. I mean, we're Americans. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I hope so. <laughs> um, and I, I would even like, I could technically go to the United States and come back because I actually have residency here through 2022. I have a resident card. Oh, sweet. Um, but... Yeah, the thought of going on a plane, I mean, I don't like to fly anyways. So like the thought of going on a plane like right now, like that's honestly been the greatest thing about COVID is I don't have to get on a plane. Because I think in 2019, I traveled like probably, I would say like 20 of the 52 weeks. Like, holy cow. Like I was away a lot in 2019. And I hate flying. So I'm so happy. Are you just to be afraid of it? place and not that it's uh like i don't think anything's gonna happen i just don't like the way it makes me feel like if the if the plane moves i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) and they generally move (laughs) and they move so much okay Stacey. Um, so um i i have to get into how it is doing boom chicago with you and how it is being in amsterdam because i feel like both of those things are like a dream like getting yeah, to do comedy. I, I mean, Amsterdam, hands Amsterdam. down, is such a dream. And you've been to Germany a lot because you're like so in love with Germany. So in love with Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in and, I was uh, uh, in Amsterdam not this past summer, but the summer before, and uh, visited Boomwells there. And Matt and I were just quickly there on our honeymoon, so we got to yeah. get a little taste of the city very quick. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. It's like, there's just no season that you can hate. Like even on the darkest, rainiest day, and it does rain quite often, but the city is so pretty that it almost just feels like it's romantic that it rains. Like there's no, like it doesn't get colder than 35 degrees really. There's not that much snow, which is kind of, I missed that last winter. I was like, Oh, I'm ice skating, but there's no snow. Um, Because I really, really love snow a lot. But um, yeah, and I quickly, I mean, you're an outdoorsy cyclist, but like I cycled the first year I was in Chicago. And as soon as my first bike was stolen, I was like, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm too scared. Like, it's not worth it. And I didn't (laughs) scared of getting your bike stolen. Yeah, I just hated the way it made me feel. I felt so violated and I couldn't get over it. And I was like, why are people so mean? Also, like, Um, that's probably the least of your fears because like dying is probably more probable than <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but here it's like you're you're it's more probable that you get in a car accident or die as a pedestrian from a bike because bikers run the world yeah. here yes and so the first when i first moved here when even as a pedestrian i was too afraid of the biker so i didn't ride probably until maybe February. So the first few months I took the tram and I really like taking the tram because it's the same thing I feel about the L in Chicago that it's kind of my only downtime ever. So it's like when I kind of stay calm and like read a little or catch up on the phone. Um, But now I cycle every, like I cycle everywhere. Like I've made a goal that all winter, unless I absolutely had to take public transportation, I would cycle every single day that I was here. Do you feel like you do it out of necessity or do you feel like you're like also loving it? Oh, I also love it. Yeah. Isn't it? Just the, Oh my gosh. I can't believe no one told me. It's like, it's like, it's like such a freeing feeling to like be on a bike and like if you dress the right way in the weather, it's not the end of the world. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> depending on how really, as long as I got some gloves and my ears are covered, yeah, yeah. I could do anything. <gasps> I love it. Yeah, I love Amsterdam big time. Yeah. I like the, just the country in general, the Netherlands is fascinatingly beautiful. Like Matt and I have done a bunch of, it's really easy to do day trips because it's such a small country. So I've been all over the country and I've done like a lot of corporate stuff and workshops kind of all over the country. And like every single city has like a castle. I know, right? And like sheep. And <laughs> it's like, it's just breathtaking. It just feels so different because, you know, you go around in the United States and you're like, this is our oldest building from 1970. And like in Amsterdam, it's like, here's our building from the year 13. Like, it's yeah. just so old. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So are you, uh, what, what has it been like with the lockdown in Amsterdam? Because I feel like I, I saw you were doing a bunch of shows still this summer yeah so we were formally closed from march to mid-june pretty much um like not going to the theater at all like i stepped in the i stepped foot in the theater i think three times during that time and it was because matt and i were doing these live stream shows these three like short form live stream shows um how how did you feel about those would you say how did you feel about those Yeah. I mean, I think it was a real learning curve. And at that point in April, so early on, we didn't really know what we were doing. I feel like I'm much better suited with anything online now because I'm so used to it. Um, But yeah, I mean, they were well received and a lot of people watched them. So that was good. And um, then mid-June, they started opening up slowly. Because the interesting thing about the Netherlands is they do like they respect every two COVID weeks and they uh, plan for yeah. <laughs> took safety but precautions based, and plan. They do everything based on science. So every two weeks they make what new rules based on numbers. So it's really interesting. So June, we started teaching again because you could have Dang. groups of 30 and we have 14 in our classes. And then we open shows 4th of July weekend. But since then we've opened and closed and yeah. opened and closed. So they're just always taking it case by case. Yeah, exactly. So if there are high numbers, then, you know, we closed for maybe a few weeks um, in October and just reopened again this week. We were closed for two weeks. Yeah, it's very strange. It's like such a roller coaster. But um, I run the Boom Academy, which is our training center. Um, I mean, you know me. I'm not going to go to another country and not (laughs) Not run run the whole thing. (laughs) Um, and we have a really nice, small, close knit community. We've got like about 80 students and they just come to everything. Like we built community shows. So it was the first time Boom Chicago has ever had kind of like student based programming. So I came in and kind of, uh, they were like, we just need someone to schedule the classes. And I was like, that's not going to work for me. (laughs) We're going to do a lot of different things now. Um, so it's really exciting because we just have like such incredible students and they're in their international. They're from everywhere. They're from all, like every single one of my classes is like representing like at least five or six different countries. That's amazing. And, uh, I really, I mean, I find that so much more enjoyable as a teacher because actually I'm actually learning as a teacher. And I feel like there was a long period of time where I was kind of just doing the same thing because I was teaching the same curriculum at second city and at IO and comedy sports. And so I'm teaching a curriculum right now that I was unfamiliar with. So that was a big learning curve. And then also teaching, um, 
a ton of international groups. So yeah, I, I, I love it. Love it. Love it. I was wondering to get your perspective on this because when I was teaching a couple workshops in Europe and, I, yeah. and in Amsterdam, um, like I was trying to, and I, uh, did a couple shows and, and saw a couple improv shows. I was trying to put my mm-hmm. finger on what was so different about it. And, so different. And I think, I think maybe it's that, and I'll get your perspective because you'll be better versed in this, is that they're mimicking theater more than they're mimicking sketch comedy. Where maybe, yes. uh, you know, in the U.S. we're mimicking sketch comedy more than we're mimicking theater. Yeah, and I also think that like Americans are just much more referential players, whereas okay. a lot of European performers rely so much more on theatrical background, yeah. emotion, and and like mime and clowning. <laughs> like they don't talk nearly as much. Americans and English uh, improvisers, I mean, just don't ever shut up ever. <laughs> Um, I'm so guilty of that, but it's really interesting because especially because so many of my international students are, and, and many of the people you probably saw English is not their first language. So they go so much slower because English isn't their first language. I wish we could take a note out of that book, but I think it's really interesting. Like German improv, I thought everyone was just like so direct and so hard. (laughs) That's just how they are in their everyday life. They're it was so, so funny but dutch is quite the same dutch um folks are quite direct and they will say exactly what they're feeling which is really nice for like beginning level classes when you want people to like be aware and notice things oh, yeah. like they definitely notice everything um but then i have like a lot of students like um from spain or just spanish-speaking countries and they are like oh my God, just nothing but heart, like love yeah. and family yeah, yeah, yeah. and relationship. So it so is much fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's, it's funny because I, it, the thing that it sounds like Europeans are doing w- well is like the thing that we're always correcting before. Do you feel like, you know, like we're trying to correct, get people to be like, oh, like take it seriously, like play from the heart, you know, act. Do you feel like conversely, like you're Europeans, you're like, hey, you got to punch it up and find the funny. Yeah, I definitely I have to like inject like 100 percent more joy because so many of the cultures that I teach, they just don't have that. Like I had a Polish one in my class and I was like, you like have fun. And she's like, we just don't really have fun fun where I'm from and like especially as a woman when I'm always like told no like it's kind of hard to tap into that if I don't know it regularly yeah and like that's so fucking sad (laughs) sad. um but also like a huge learning curve because I think then what is really really nice for them is I always tell all my students like this is a two-part class the class is your lecture and seeing shows is your lab and I think because they see our shows and see how much joy we have yeah it, it it kind of helps them tap into that joy because they have something to reference, um, which is really nice. I just also find it fascinating. Like I've been teaching a lot of students um, that are in India recently oh, and they were saying like, when we watch American improv, like we don't understand it because there's just so many things that you're saying that are like specific to where you're from that it doesn't translate to us. And so one thing I've been really trying to focus on since I've been teaching internationally, maybe like five years is trying to teach people to be like universally funny. So like to find 
ways that they don't rely so much on that reference and it's more specifics than reference. It's more like going down the rabbit hole of being super specific of your point of view and like ranting and raving more than, um, you know, your experience at the Albert Hine, which is our Dutch grocery store. If I say that in a Boom Chicago show, the audience goes wild. If I come back to the States and I'm in musical Armando and I was like, look at that guy in the Albert Hine. They're going to be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But, but you don't, I didn't realize like in my first two weeks when I was improvising, how many things in the States I was referencing that they just had no idea what I was saying. Interesting. Did you, um, has some of the shows there that you've been in at boom, Mm -hmm. um, you've been involved in writing them, right? Yeah, so they do it very similarly to like Second City Main Stage. So every single year we have um, a main stage show that runs like essentially a full year, maybe a little bit shorter. I don't know because I'm still my first year. We started writing it in February, then everything shut down and we just didn't write at all. We all were just like, everyone go live your dreams for a few months because we're freelance. We're just contract workers. So we came back and started writing it, I think in mid July and we opened it in September. So it was grueling show process. Like we were at the theater every day from like 11 AM to like two o'clock in the morning doing writing all day, then doing a a show and then doing a set where we would test out material for the audience and rewrite and re improvise. And And you're, are you following that same template of where you're like in the meantime, while you're in process, you're, um, you're doing the old show and you're doing the scenes from the old yeah, show. Second City does. somewhat. I mean, uh, we kind of, um, this time because of COVID had a unique situation that a lot of the time in the summer we were doing mostly improv shows. So we were mostly doing like a two act show that like the first act was all short form and the second uh, act was all long form. And then there's a third act that we were testing out material. And then we were cycling through going from like a summer improv party to a best of boom, which best of boom was some short form games mixed padded with some of the new material that we're going to put with our new show with we like, I call it the shit sandwich, like <laughs> of like knowing things that will work and having them in the show, but you also like make sure that you are testing new stuff in there as well. What is, um, so what has that kind of like process been like, or, um, how have you kind of like honed your comedy in those shows are like, are you gearing it more reference points to, um, locals? Are you, are you like, you you get a lot of tourists at that show, right? You get a lot of out of towners coming to boom. Well, see, I've had such a super unique, uh, normally. Yeah. So like the first five months I was here every single weekend, it was like all tourists, but now we're really trying to focus on our Amsterdam audience because we had our borders closed. We were not having tourists for a really long time. So we got really creative. Like, And it's so interesting because Boom has been over around for 27 years, but everything has always just worked. So it's like the same as Second City. Like if it, it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. But like once we had the downtime was when everyone kind of looked at everything and was like, now's the time we should like make some changes and like do what we want to do and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And so- it's been really interesting because we we do have like certain parts that we like make Dutch jokes in every single show for the Dutch audiences. Like I know like 10 words in Dutch and I'll say them in my hosting like and they'll know that I'm so grossly American um, <laughs> Wait, because what are, I can't. What are these 10 words? 
Oh, alsjeblieft is I can't believe uh, it. you're welcome. <laughs> alsjeblieft. Uh, Dankjewel is thank, thank you. you. Dankjewel. Uh, I want to see if I could if I could figure it out by the the German I know. Okay. Laat je horen. Lock your doors. It's like, yeah, it's like, I don't actually know what that one means. It's like, uh, make some noise or something. <laughs> You're um, saying it, you don't even know what it means. <laughs> I know, but I know a bunch of phrases, uh, phrases like they say, like, op is op and shunga lunga, yunga. And the best thing, Johnny, is that a knot in your hair is called a clit. <laughs> 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 that like killed Amazing. me. I couldn't get over it for like three weeks. Yes. I, I have said it in so many scenes. Um, <laughs> just for your own gratification of the, just you're for my it. own vetic- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like the thing that has gotten me the most laughs for a Dutch audience has been saying the stores that are here. <laughs> like it's so weird. Um, but our show, it, it's actually interesting because the director picks the theme of the show, okay. so it's. It's already pre-decided before the cast writes the new show. So the the artistic artistic director is like like the last show that I came in and started essentially I understudied for the last three I replaced someone in an already existing show. So I was at the tail end of the show that was called The Future is Here and it's slightly annoying and it was all about artificial intelligence. I and saw technology. that's the show I saw. I saw half of it and I had to like leave to get on an airplane the in the morning, I do want to go to go to bed early. Hilarious! Was that the one so with the Burger King sketch in it? Yes, but that one they um we cycle through sketches. So like, did they retire they, that? They retired that. Good. Before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> it they was were, like it was all Game of Thrones uh, references, except for it was like Burger King and McDonald's. Yeah, and it it's based on a going. web series they did, I think. People ate it up, and I was like. Hilarious. Yeah. So I did, I did a little, by the time I was in it, it was mostly improvised because we were kind of at the tail end of it, but this show is all about the nineties. Oh, oh, so that's the show you guys produced. Yeah. So the show was already named and was already like, our director was like, it's called sitcom. There's going to be some, some improvised sitcom um, because um, everyone is, has like a short, attention span like we're going to focus on how like sitcoms are only 26 minutes long and we're going to improvise one and we're going to bring people nostalgia and like how we like take for granted all of these incredible and how great we had it in the 90s like because everyone was so happy or if there were things that were bad we just shoved them under the rug because we didn't you know we didn't talk about things the way we do how great we pretended we had it (laughs) yeah it's a weird thing isn't it with the 90s because it's like you know there is parts of the 90s that feel in a nostalgic way better of like i didn't have social media making me upset so there's like a james bond sketch that like his techno the the villain's technology keeps breaking down when he's trying to install a virus to take over the world because the bad internet speed and there's a she's all that um Jurassic Park sketch that I play a velociraptor yes. that uh someone has to try to make me the prom queen but I'm a velociraptor um so it's like just a lot of like just super goofy um we have like a feminist um rap about toys and how toys for girls were all either cooking or cleaning 
or being a princess. Like they were so messed up for girls. So like everything has a pretty strong take of like what our experience was. And we have such a, we have such a wide variety of ages in our cast. So we all were really at a different point in the nineties, a really different age. So we all experienced the nineties really differently. So that was a really interesting part when we were writing it. And because two guys are from the UK, they'd be like, in the 90s, the biggest game was this. And we're like, what, what? the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you getting a chance to do a lot of music in the show since you're so music? So much. Blind? They've yes. never done so much musical Ha-ha. stuff. Good for you. Ever. Because Matt's in musical the entire too, world. right? What'd you say? And Matt's musical as well. Yeah, exactly. And he's in the same and- show with you, right? Really, our whole cast has become quite musical. Um, <laughs> my first experience at Boom with these cast members was I actually taught them a musical improv workshop a year before I joined the cast. So um, they know how much I love it. So immediately, and Sasha Hodemacher, our music director, I worked super closely with him and taught with him before I even got hired. So we try to put me, like I wrote the opening number for the show, um, there's, uh, we play like a version of dueling soundtracks. It's like, um, nineties theme songs. And then we see blackout scenes based on the theme songs. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's short form, there's long form, there's sketch, there's a little of everything. So it's really, really fun. Hmm. Exhausting. It's an exhausting show, but yeah, you sound, fun. you sound like you're also just generally crazy busy over there between shows and workshops and hustle yeah it's been busy lately because um november december is when we have like the most um like dutch companies realize that they have like money in their budget and then we get like hired for every holiday everything so it's just like a really busy time of the year for us which is great because we haven't had work all year long so and i'm writing um new curriculum for the theater (laughs) thanks stacy so we're launching a brand new curriculum and programming in January. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So um, it's kooky. Do you feel like, are there any things about the Chicago scene that you miss? I mean, I, I guess everything right now because, so it's, much, because yeah. it's all gone. Um, it's so interesting because I actually am so happy that I was not in Chicago when every single theater I've ever performed at closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And same improv Boston just closed their doors. Um, So now every, pretty much every theater I've ever worked at is non-existent because I did um, admittedly have a really tough time with the IO closing. Um, I, but you know, I did learn a lot of lessons also because I posted that I was really sad about it and I got very attacked. (laughs) Yeah, I heard that. I didn't, I didn't actually read any of that because I seldomly on Facebook, but I heard that people... Like came after you for saying that you had a good time at I.O. Yeah, I think I just um, there was a lot going on at once. And I think that I was um, just not super mindful of everyone's point of view. I did in the post write that I know that it was not great for everyone and I'm not discounting it. But, um, you know, I, I apologized and I learned a lot from the experience of mourning over an improv theater and I will never do that again. Oh, so like boy. when Second City was like, it's for sale. And I was like, girl can't do anything anymore. <laughs> like, um, also, So yeah, that's been really interesting. I miss musical Armando and Deltones yeah. so, so much. I miss playing with those people. I miss comedy sports a lot. 
Um, although there's a guy that I work with at Boom who's comedy sports from like the 90s. Oh, no way. So it's like cute that we know Very some cool. of the same people. It's, and, it's, it's um, interesting with like yeah. these theaters, you know, closing and whatnot and the tumultuous, uh, you know, history they have and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I think what's what's just also hard for people in general is just to be like, not everything's all good and not everything's all bad. And like, mm-hmm. doesn't mean... I, I, you can't celebrate the good and still call out the bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's because really, that's life really in general, gray, right? Yeah, everything's, exactly. Everything's nuanced like that. Yeah, it is really, really interesting. And so I've been kind of figuring out, like, navigating those situations. Uh, yeah, it was really tough um, in the beginning, but now I'm just like, okay, I need to appreciate the things that I have and look at the opportunities and look forward. What am I going to do next? What, what create, like I, during COVID, I did so many things I've never done before because I just was like, I've been making a living doing this and now everything's gone. Like I have to figure, I can't be an interior designer now. Like I I have no skills. (laughs) Yes, you can. Look at that outfit. (laughs) You know your colors. (laughs) I have no marketable skills other than pretending and, and producing but you're so good Um, at those things you're so good at those things and and i love those things so it's been it's been nice because there's been a few moments where i've almost wanted to cry on stage because it's felt so much like chicago to me like last week we did a show that was called uh tragedy plus time and it was in armando but every monologue was about death and then we had all promised each other that after these monologues, they're going to be sad and they're going to be dark, that we, nothing is off the table. We're going to play to the height of our intelligence and we are going to do the, the goofiest, craziest shit based on this super dark, tragic material. And I just, um, was monologizing and I was sobbing because of course I cry over everything, (laughs) but I was telling a story about my friend, Nick, who had passed away early in my Chicago days And I just felt the audience was so on my side Mm. for something that was quite emotional. And um, we've been doing such like high energy short form and this big sitcom show. And it was like, it felt like I was in Chicago where you could take those risks to do something quite emotional and the audience appreciated it because they're well-versed in improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I felt like people really um, appreciated vulnerability and sincerity and honesty and so I was like oh my god this feels like this feels like a show I would do in Chicago and it felt really nice do you think that um when you're doing long form over there because there's I'm assuming less exposure um to for audiences with long form that uh a lot of it doesn't translate well you know what to be honest, we don't do a ton of long form oh, okay. here. Gotcha. So we have a weekly show that is an essentially an Armando show, but that we the cast tells all the monologues based on a suggestion. So so that's our long form show of the week. But we've been trying to like so we've had some community nights where I've produced a lot of more long form, but it's not and that's just specific to Boom Chicago. Easy Laughs is another theater here that they do English speaking uh, comedy and they do a little bit of long form and a little bit of short form. They do like a lot of um, like narrative or like improvised styles. 
Um, and then there's a new theater that is like opening up that are two brilliant long form players, one guy from France and one woman that's Dutch. And they're doing some like really emotional, dramatic uh, long form. So I think that still we're at the point where people need to kind of you have to kind of over explain it a little bit more than like Chicago. You just do a Herald and you just like hope they get it. Which which also <laughs> was probably our fault. We probably should have been over explaining it for every show in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Like, but for here, it's like, of, yeah. because we do in Armando, we're like, we're going to take a suggestion. We're going to tell a story. And then we're going to do scenes inspired by those stories. It's kind of just super easy to follow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So I think it's like we do accessible, like the most accessible long form formats so that people will like, we do duo nights where they're just duos and they just get like 10 minutes to do whatever. Okay. And I've done like some really weird experimentals. I've done a few stage jams. I did a solo show where the tech just, at, they, I did a solo show, but it was all inspired by light cues and sound cues <laughs> for like 45 minutes. And the audience loved it. Cause they were just like, we're watching some psychopath prance around yes. the stage. <laughs> So that, that, it's like that theater is a little bit um it's got some of that same building feeling of like the mission right with like tall ceilings and like yeah our downstairs theater we have an upstairs, oh, have an upstairs theater, theater that's theater. quite yeah it's quite intimate and it's oh, like my great. favorite space in the world Better to for play improv in. And... it's great but we haven't been there since march because it's not safe oh, we not we can't socially distance yeah. people up there huh cuz We've been struggling going back and forth with capacity numbers mostly. Like right now we're at a 30 person capacity when our theater holds like 270 or something. So we can only have 30 people at shows and we're not allowed to have our bar open. So oh, it's no. a bring your own and only for 30 people. But the people that are coming to shows right now are so ready to be out of the house oh, yeah. and to do something that it's like the best audiences I've ever performed. So even for. though it's 30%, they're like, yeah, oh, that's it's cool. Insane. It's not even 50%. Like it's like 15% of and our all audience. Scatter and they're all scattered like equal distance throughout that whole space. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Sweet. Yeah. Um, what are the things that like you and Matt are just loving in general about being in this city? I feel oh, like, God. so I feel like when I go to Germany, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. But one of the things I love the most is like all the bakeries instead of like, oh, instead God. of donut shops and, and so Starbucks, many, it's like all bakeries where you can get like pretzel sandwiches and yeah. like savory things and coffee, the which Bavarian. is more my speed yeah. than like a sugary thing. Uh, and I like, that's like, it's so silly, but it's like one of my favorite things about being in, in Germany. It's, Maybe a, a good part of like Europe is like that. Yeah. Too. It's pretty much everywhere in Europe is like that More too. Bakeries, it's like yeah. to have a fresh croissant and a, <laughs> an amazing, I mean, I haven't had a bad coffee like ever here. Like they just make good coffee. Why don't we have and, more bakeries here? Like it's like, so weird, like, isn't it? Like the way we're talking about it, we're like, oh, fresh croissant, ooh, a fresh uh, pretzel. It's not like people wouldn't lose their mind over that here in the states. Yeah, and like the croissants at Starbucks are like garbage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ugh, so bad. We love uh, every morning we get a coffee um, from our favorite coffee chain here. Um, and uh, I think just like nature is like the biggest thing for us. Yeah. Like oh, we yeah. live, we live in South uh, in Zoud it's called. And 
So it's a 20 minute cycle to boom, which is obviously so easy and just never feels like 20 minutes. You feel like you just pop right there. But we are in between three parks, Amstel Park, which is right on the Amstel River with like a huge windmill, yeah. la, 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 la. Beatrix Park, which is just like this beautiful, like huge pond and all yeah. these like little bridges and nooks and crannies and weeping willows. And then we have the entire, I don't know if you visited and went to the forest, but we're right by Amsterdam no, Sabos, which is like the big forest there. So like in the summer, like it was disgusting at first because we went swimming and it's like a <laughs> pond. I don't know what it is. It's gross water, but um, we just got tubes and floated around yeah. for hours in the summer in this weird pond with other Dutch people. You know what? You know what it is that's like. I feel like that makes like cities pretty is when it's like curated the right way with like mm-hmm. the city's pretty and there's nature interspersed. Like yeah. my favorite part of uh, New York is um central park Park, or highline yeah like being around that area and the juxtaposition of the buildings around it and knowing that you've got all this culture around you but you're like still like tucked into this like it's like a little secret you feel like you're in a secret secret garden garden. you're in a secret garden (laughs) but it is really nice i mean the forest is beautiful and there's like weird animal like the freaking park that I walk through, I go for an hour morning walk every single day. And it's like the greatest thing that I've ever started doing in my life. I, I started like doing that person. last winter. I would walk to like work every day for an hour. And it was like, I was like, Unbelievable. Oh, I unlocked something in my brain. I didn't know I needed. We walked a boom all the time. It's an hour and 10 minutes. It's life changing. Isn't it weird? So, it like puts you oh, kind of in this, like it takes for me, it takes about like, <laughs> 30 to 45 minutes and all of a sudden I like I just feel so good I feel Mm -hmm. like kind of like almost like like meditative it's like that repetition of just like walking I go by myself every morning for one hour and I have this park by my house that has first of all I know you've seen this video there's a corgi horse (laughs) no I haven't it's a tiny miniature (laughs) pony like little Sebastian but I call him the corgi horse and I go to visit him every <laughs> single morning at 8.30. Does he know you? Every morning, I go to see the corgi horse. Stacey, does There's he know donkeys. you? What did you say? Does he know you now? Yeah, he knows me. <laughs> yeah. yeah he he know. definitely knows me. I go, good morning, corgi horse. But in that park, there's corgi horse, donkey, chickens, pheasants, wallabies, alpacas, emus. Wow. And it's not a zoo. It's just like... <laughs> It's just a park. It's a it's wild. So an- is it like called a wild animal park? Because they have those in Germany too. It's no, like wild tia park. Oh, they do. The, the zoo here is actually really hilarious because I really did was convinced that like Lincoln Park Zoo was like the best. But then I went to the Omaha Zoo and that one was like uh, very cool. Really? But this one, it's like you can like touch the elephant. Like everything is so open. It's, it was terrifying. I was like, you're giving them too much freedom. (laughs) This is terrifying, but it's beautiful. Um, do they do this thing? So when we were in Copenhagen, like, I love Copenhagen Copenhagen too. Everybody like in the morning, it's, it's like cold weather. We're like, before COVID, nobody would be outside having coffee yeah. or anything, but people are still out and about and they're all like sitting outside and they bring you these like cozy looking like flannel blankets and you drape blankets. them over your legs. Do they do that in Amsterdam? They, I think there are some places that do that. I've, I actually had that the most when I was in Estonia. Oh. 
when I was in Estonia at, I performed in like this medieval church and we, yes. and the audience was in church pews and they gave us like a little, like warm cocoa and wrapped us in like fleece blankets. That's pretty stinking amazing. Yeah. Stacy, like ugh, something about like doing comedy and being in Europe. It's just like, it sounds like the dream. It's, it it's really nice to <laughs> not be in the states. I mean, it was really watching. It's when a big event happens, though, like watching the election stuff, yeah. and when Biden won, like it was really sad to watch from here. Why? Why do you say it was sad? Like, what? What, what do you mean by I, that? I just we didn't celebrate with Americans. You hold know on, what hold I mean? On, I'm like on my, my hat. My head's cold. <laughs> put your hat on. <laughs> Look okay, at sorry. that tiny hat. Well, not only put a hat on, put some clothes on, you little t-shirt baby. I I have to have, like, I, I hate long sleeves whenever I'm, like, mm. doing anything. I don't think I've ever, ever seen do. you in long sleeves. I hate it. Or I just roll them up right away. Yeah. I, I like, like, the feeling of things being by my wrist. I'm a, I'm a big vest person for that reason. I'm the same way, though. I, I roll my sleeves all the way up, even though they're super, you know, long. Okay, wait. Why did it feel, why did it feel so specifically awful there? It was just like weird to not celebrate with like a ton of Americans. Oh, yes. Like it felt like, oh God, this is like a very patriotic moment that I'm living through. Yes. That I just am like. Well, Stacey, I felt my... that way in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> like I was in hilarious. Michigan and like it was like when they declared it was for Biden, like Matt like called me and like he was in um Andersonville and Andersonville was like freaking out. Like people Yeah, were I saw the Chicago pictures. I was so sad to people, not be like he, uh Matt said that um a um a post office worker like drove by and people just started like screaming and cheering for him and like he was like God. like soaking it up and stuff because like he was part of the process of delivering ballots and yeah. i was in michigan just like knowing that like, probably everybody in my family i don't know i don't like to ask yeah, yeah. Voted for <laughs> Trump. And oh like, my god that's so funny you feel like you're in a different world but i yeah. specifically wish i was in chicago because i do too i saw all of that and i lived through moments like um I was out and about walking home from a rehearsal like in 2009 like when I had just moved there when the Blackhawks had won the Stanley Cup oh, and yeah. cars were honking I you know I went down to Wrigley Field when the Cubs had won yes, so like yes I know how that Chicago was so celebrates <laughs> I got oh my God, Matt and I got best. like we ran down Addison so we're about a mile from Wrigley Field Stadium we ran down to Addison drunk and like people were running from every direction towards the stadium, Ugh. and because um, it was an away game, and yeah. um, uh, when we got there, like where that Taco Bell used to be, like right in the corner. Yeah. Like, Wait, it's gone. It's gone. Oh, Wasn't that the no. nicest Taco Bell in the world? No, <laughs> no, it was. The people there were it was so, so gross, nice. and I always thought no. I was gonna get killed. No, those people were so nice there. It was insane. It was so murderous. It was so murderous. I had a different experience at that Taco Bell. <laughs> um, but as soon as we got in that front of that Taco Bell, like it, it stopped, and like, um, like, uh, like the the people were like stacked up to that that area. And Matt and I got there, and like all of a sudden, like we felt like a push, like. A push went through the crowd like a wave and Ugh. it was the most like terrifying feeling of like <laughs> there's so much force and and mania in this crowd that this could turn at a second and it felt like a movie where like 
one character knows or the audience knows that everything's about to go bad, but everyone else is yeah. celebrating. <laughs> and, like, yeah, yeah. and like the audience knows it's about to go bad. And I was like, felt it again. And I was like, Matt, we're getting out of here. Because it was this kind of force that like, if it turned into a stampede, there is nothing in my physical yeah. power I could have done to protect myself. And people were crazy people that were, night because the game crazy. had gone so long. Everyone was wasted. People, I mean, if you read the like police blotter for the day after, <laughs> like so many people climbed telephone poles. Yes. It's like was insane. And Matt and I watched it at Comedy Sports and then the oh, whole group yeah, of us yeah. went to Wrigley and it was just like, I'll just never forget it because I mean, I just am a huge sports fan too. So to like be a part of that, I feel that way every time like my team wins and I get to watch it live. Yeah, uh, There's just no greater feeling of like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you just want to like scream and, and hit someone even though you're not mad. We jumped like we jumped over a fence like to get out of the area and like oh my God. ran down an alley. And we like, people were just openly like celebrating and like uh, doing coke in the alley and like. Uh, Chicago, my sweet girl. I miss her. <laughs> I do. I just don't know. Like, that's a conversation that we have quite often. And it's so funny because the conversation, uh, it's always the same questions and we never have answers. Yeah. But like, we just don't know what we're going to do after this. But also everybody here, Stacy, feels the same way. Yeah. You know what so I mean? I've seen so many people moving home from where they're from or yep. just making the move to New York or L.A. and hoping for the best or. Yeah, because like there's no way to know what your prospects are in this city yeah. or anywhere because even even like so matt and i are um renovating a van i know i'm camper, so excited and uh he found out that he has the skill of busking and making good money doing it wow He's that's well, he, amazing. he knew he could play the cello but he started busking this summer and was like oh i can actually make real money doing this wow so um you know we're making this van and we're like uh, or I'm renovating it into a camper, which is a huge project, um, but also fun <laughs> and overwhelming. And oh my um, god, you're married! We're married. <laughs> and um, anywho, um, you know, part of our thought was we'll just go to warmer parts during the winter of the country, and Matt can busk, and then maybe when COVID's done, whether it's next year or whatever, yeah. um. It would be fun to just be able to have that to tour and teach workshops. But also, I don't know how many theaters will be around to teach workshops at. Yeah. And like, you know, even like theater departments at universities, like funding for things. And like, it's just how could you, how could you. There's no way to know, know now, right what now. What that landscape will look like. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very strange. It's like, um, it's a really good, it's sad, like, I think really sad in the States, although the online community, like, it, it's actually interesting because I actually think that what's happening right now online is that our community is actually growing quite bigger without oh, wait, in this, us uh, even... You mean just All over the world. Okay. All over the world. If people are willing to do online stuff, which a lot of people, which is really interesting, from like Chicago, New York, and LA are not really willing to do it online because yeah. it's just not the same. Yes. Which, we've you know, the, I definitely, the there are things that I don't like doing online and there are things that I found are much easier online. Like, I think it's easier to teach writing online. That makes sense. I think sense. it's easier to... Um, 
you know, do like podcasts and Q and A's and stuff like that online, you know, like there's, I've hosted like a bunch of like virtual events for companies. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting how many more opportunities we can have now because we also have another platform. So it's like, while I am still like, there's nothing better than the power of live theater, it is spreading to the rest of the world in a much more rapid rate than it ever has. So there are students that are in third world countries that have never been able to travel because they didn't have the money or the means that now they, if they just have an internet connection can learn how to improvise. So like, so it is kind of exciting that even though, you know, maybe people in the major cities are not realizing it because their bubble or what their theater is, I've seen so many like interesting online endeavors yeah. and people playing with each other that have never been able to play with each other before and things like that that I think are really, really exciting. Which is interesting because I think it'll push the th- I mean, this is my guess. That'll push the throttle on decentralizing potentially the comedy scene uh, as far as improv and sketch comedy goes. Um, Because it was already getting to the point where it's like some of these smaller towns in the U.S. or like smaller towns in Europe were um, starting to be taught by people who like trained at the best theaters. Right. And performed at the best theaters. And it was starting to disseminate already into the rest of like you know, the, the smaller cities, but, you know, I guess maybe this whole digital era of comedy is going to speed that up a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, like even my students online, like I've reached so many more students than I've ever had before because we don't have to be in the same time zones or, yeah, you know, like, so it is fascinating in that regard. I think there's going to be a new appreciation, but I also think that like, it would be smart for every theater to figure out how to do like 50% of their theater online. <laughs> I, you know, who this is the person I want to talk to is the person who studied exclusively online during this time. And then yeah. at some point transitions to in-person and just kind of get a feel from them of like what that whole experience will feel like. Yeah. That's so interesting because they probably though, if, if there is someone that has started during COVID and they have been able to study with some of the greatest improv instructors in the entire world, they probably have more experience and wealth of knowledge than some people that go through a year-long program because they're working with so many different people and taking so many different types of workshops. So maybe like different tools in their tool belt. So I think that would be really interesting to know, like, is there one person that has dedicated their life to online? (laughs) I mean, I've had a few students who that's been their only like only experience has just been online and now they're that's been in so, it for a while. For me, that's fascinating. But I, I am realizing that there are people that feel m- much more safe being in their homes. A hundred percent. Like that. People so. have told me that they're like, <laughs> if this goes bad, I can just close the laptop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's your way out. <laughs> yeah. And scene and class. Yeah, bye. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of, um, in the off chance that someone is listening to this who wants to take some improv classes, I don't know. Are there, um, can people find you specifically either through Boom or through your uh, independent like teaching 
workshops to take classes with you? Because Stacy yeah, is put, an amazing. Yeah, I put everything teacher. on my uh, professional Facebook page, which is just Stacy Smith Comedy, and then my website, StacySmithComedy.com or StaceJam.com. They both go to the same place. Hell yeah. Stace Jam. Oh, Stace Jam. And Stace Jam is like your solo uh, musical show that you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is also kind of the way you started touring, especially as a teacher, was doing that show in conjunction yeah. with teaching musical workshops. Yeah, it was. Uh, I did it totally by accident when I was in Boston because I invited a bunch of people to do a musical set and they all backed out. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm just doing this solo. <laughs> um, so I did it and I realized like, How did it God, go the it first was, time? Because I go to so many festivals yeah. and all these other instructors get to perform with the people from where they're from and they get to do their signature form. Yeah. And I always just have to play in like jam sets with all the other teachers, which I absolutely love, but I'm never like get a special like headline show. And so like, it was so nice when I was able to start offering it because then it's just me and there's like, I just need a musician. There's like no tech or anything to know about the show. So it's been really, really nice that I've had that because uh, it makes me feel kind of like I finally can show what I've been teaching the entire week. Because a lot of the times I would go teach musical improv for like seven days and then there would not be a musician at the festival, no yeah. musical improv shows, and I would just improvise. And then, and, you know, kind of sucks. How do you... Like now that you've been doing those solo shows for a while uh, with improv, do you, how do you feel comfortability wise? Do you feel just as comfortable or more comfortable than improvising with other people? Or is it like the stakes are feel a little bit more raised just because it's, it's still you and the musician? Yeah, no, I feel so comfortable. I feel like, That's awesome. yeah, sometimes, I mean, I don't want to sa- sound like, <laughs> I, I do just feel so comfortable doing Good. it by myself. Like, it's it's more fun. It's so much work when I do it on my own. So that's the only thing is I walk off stage and I am exhausted and I don't want to talk to people. And how long is your and set? All I want to do is drink water. What'd you say? <laughs> all I want to do is drink water. How long is because, your set? Um, so I'll do up to 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so it's just exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It's mentally exhausting and it's physically, physically exhausting, but there's also just no, there's when you're able to do something that's quite challenging and if it goes well, it's just so much more rewarding than anything in the world, but there's just not that second person to bounce ideas off of. So like you just have to trust yourself and you have to say yes to yourself. Even if you think your idea was stupid, you can't, <laughs> you, you can't, can't get away from it. Stop. You just yeah. have to, once you say something, you're like, damn it, Stacy. <laughs> now that's the fucking thing. You can't go anywhere else. And is it, you can't bail. Are you doing like, is your, is there a structure like that's specific of like scenes returning? Uh, yeah. So I do a, I mean, it originated as I would do a musical Herald. So I would do an opening number, which would be like my organic opening, where I would set up three characters and then I would do 1A, 2A, 3A. And then I would do like sometimes a group game or like a a silly group song. And then I would see the second beat of all those scenes. And then I would do a closing number that would kind of be the third beat. How often? I would fold them all. (laughs) How often doing a solo show do you like get to one of the beats and you're like, I have no idea. Cause you don't have that downtime to like process. Yeah. Did I, it happen to you? 
Not so much. And it's That's weird good. because I never thought I was like super good at tracking Harold. I was just like, I'm going to step out because I know I haven't been here and uh, hope everything <laughs> goes well. But I think with music, it becomes a bit easier because you know what you're singing thematically. So it, oh, you yeah. kind of, it kind of <laughs> makes it a bit easier and it's only you. So like if you do it wrong, you can like in the sometime, sometime during that scene, then call something back that you're like, I couldn't remember what it was, but now I've remembered three minutes later and here it is. So that has definitely happened to me before. I would love to, at some point, work up the courage to do a, uh, like a solo ice bear show, but I think it would just feel a little bit masturbatory without like, cause like at least when you're doing a musical, a musical solo show, you're performing with the the musician and you're singing and ice bears yeah, but are I've, so un- I've done other avant-garde. solo formats that are super avant-garde and super weird balls just because I have the space and time to yeah. do it. So we have like experimental shows that in Boston, we had this show that was called Comedy Lab that I would just like try weird. If I had yeah. a weird idea, I would just do it. If you did ice solo ice bear here, which would just be called ice. <laughs> like <people laughs> No bear, just the ice. People would love it if you just keep going to different things and following the fun, like that would, I think, be super well received. I think I'd be pretty sad though too without Eli. <laughs> I know, but I can do. We can do our show. Um, two ponies. Two ponies. Two, two naughty ponies in a cage. Nay, 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 nay. Which is funny because the word "no" in Dutch is nay. Nay, 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 nay. Oh, Stacy, thank you for uh, doing this podcast. You're, oh my God, you're so course. generous. Um, you've been like one of the most generous people I know in the improv community with seriously with your time and your willingness to like do things for other people and like Aww. your energy and your spirit. Um, and I just love that I got to sit and chat with you and hear a little bit about, about we go so way back. We do. We do. 10 years. Oh my right? goodness. Yeah. Probably 10. It's gross. We're getting so old, but we look so we look good. So young. <laughs> oh my God. We look the best we've ever looked. And we have rings on our face. I don't have a bow in my hair, so I don't look as cute. Goodbye, 2009. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I love you and I miss you. I love you too. And I miss you. Uh, Tell your dude, are you guys engaged? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I was trying to remember if it was fiance or I was trying to remember if it was fiance or husband at this point. (laughs) I call on my husbands. Tell Matt. We'll tell our Matt's that. Yeah, Matt's. Mets are good to have in your life, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I think I love you. All the I best. I think I love you too. Nice, right, Stacey. Come on. Bye, Danny Gates. Bye.